Isaiah chapter 40, and uh, I'm going to draw attention to one particular verse tonight, and uh, not to the exclusion of some others around it, but Isaiah 40 is a great, great chapter in the Bible. Of course, I've taught you before that the uh, Isaiah basically shows up as a Bible in miniature. The are 66 chapters in, in Isaiah. There are 66 books in the Bible, of course, and uh, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. And there's a transition that goes on. The last word in the book of Malachi is the word curse. The last word in the book of Revelation is the word amen. And uh, in Malachi, it says, uh, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And it says, before the coming of that great day of the Lord, I will send forth the prophet Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so uh, this one who would be a forerunner before the day the Lord comes here onto this earth would come and uh, he, would, uh, he would show up. And of course, the 39th book in your, in your Bible is, is, of course, the book of Malachi. And then you have a 400-year period where it's basically, the, they call it the intertestinal period. It's also known as the 400 silent years. There's a 400-year period without any new prophecy coming. And you start out in the 40th book of the Bible, if you'd started from Genesis going forward, you end up in the 40th book of the Bible and you start out with a, uh, someone coming, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. His name is John the Baptist and he comes in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he comes announcing that Jesus has come. Chapter 40 of Isaiah, look at it, it begins, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. Savior's come. And that her, uh, uh, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. Very temporary, very weak. The grass, uh, excuse me, but the word of our God shall stand, how long, church? Forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. And so this whole chapter begins with comfort, and when God was one to bring comfort to His people. Verse 11 is where we'll spend the majority of our time this evening. Look at this. It says, He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead 
those that are with young. And I want to speak to you this evening on this subject, the comfort of the shepherd's care. The comfort of the shepherd's care. The comfort being brought to God's people is not because of eloquent diction and because of soothing tones of the speaker, but it's the comfort of the reality of the fact that indeed our warfare is accomplished as believers. Christ has done it. When He was on the cross and cried, it is finished, He was making a declarative statement. It is finished. It means you can't add anything to it. That means what Christ did was sufficient. Thank God. I'm glad an empty tomb's there. Our heart can be full because of that. And I'm glad that Christ entered into death and defeated death and rose from death with power over the grave. And thank God for all of that. But he says there, it says in, in verse 11, it talks about some of his comfort for us. If you would look at it, I, I give you a comforting thought with this, and then I want to talk to you about one particular point of this. First of all, look at the comforting thought of strength protecting the weak. It says in verse 11, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the what? Lambs. Very vulnerable. Very small, very vulnerable. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. Well, that's interesting because up in the verse before, it says, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. That's his strength. It's his power. The Bible says the arm of flesh will fail you. But thank God it also says underneath are the everlasting arms. And so... I like this comforting thought, strength protecting the weak. I'm glad that his strength protects my weakness. The only thing I can bring into the equation is weakness. By the way, that's what Paul would learn through the Holy Spirit of God where he would say, our strength is made perfect. There he said, personally, my strength is made perfect in weakness. All right? I need something. Ms. Shelton, write down my and Psalm 23. Just write it on something. The word my, Psalm 23. Hand that to me after service if you will, all right? I just had an entire outline scroll and I haven't got time to write it while I'm preaching. Just mind that. So you know where my sermons actually come from. Just get that to me if you would, please. I need that. Um, and so the strength protects the weak. And thank God it does. It stands in our place. Lifts us up. You ever been so physically tired you didn't feel like you could put one foot in front of the other? Ever done that? You just say, I'm going to go. I, I, you feel like you're to a point of collapse. And you know, what I have to be careful of that, I don't ever want to get my second or sometimes it's third wind after that. Because if I keep pushing long enough to come back up, then I don't ever go to sleep. It's like, no, what did I just do? But boy, you ever been there just physically, thump, you're, you're ready to fall over. And that's it. You ever been there mentally probably. And for some people, you can achieve that faster than the other. But they, emotionally, spiritually, just don't feel like you can go on. And do you know, thank God, there's strength for us. That's a comforting thought. I'm glad that the strong protects the weak. It's always a very, very good thing to see. Then, second comforting thought with this is that the uh, we're near to his heart. Look in verse 11. Not only does he uh, gather the lambs with his arm that's protecting the weak, but he carries them in his bosom. So what's that mean? It's up against his chest. My sister noticed a phenomenon that I have since watched for, and she's, she's nailed it exactly right. I cannot believe how high a percentage of time when I give out one of the blessed promises, if you pretend like this is one of our blessed promises, how high a percentage of time when I'm giving one of those out to a lady, they give out, I give out a lot of them, when I give them to a lady, they'll do this. They hug them. I had to, they're trying to hug me, we're good. They, they'll hug them. 
of the guys are like, that's neat, we're good. The ladies will do this. Because, oh, that means something to me. I think of one just recently I gave to, and she's like, you have no idea how much I need this. She's like, hold on to it. Why? It's, it's near the heart. It's near the heart. You say, why aren't you pressing your heart? Because I've got this funny little microphone, and I don't want it squiggling all over. Um, but what is this? This is, this, he's, he will pick the lambs up. He, de- he doesn't come by, grab them by the nap of the neck. Right? When they start getting out of the way, pick them up and say, you've been bad. They don't do that, right? <laughs> he doesn't do that. Well, he does. He comes along, picks them up, and carries them in the place of safety and near his heart. You know, it says that we are engraven in the palm of his hand. He sees us. In the Old Testament, the, the uh, curious girdle of the ephod, and uh, there was a breastplate that went over that. And that breastplate had a, had a precious or semi-precious, some of them were each, stone that were put into that breastplate, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were worn on the front of the priest. And what that showed, since the priest was showing what Christ would be like, he was showing that God carried his people. He carried them on ouches on the shoulder. That doesn't mean, oh, that hurts. It's it's type of thing. Showing that he bears them. And he also carried them here, showing the heart. And I think it's an awesome thing that our 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 Savior, you talk about comforting thought, is He keeps us near His heart. You have something precious towards your heart, you pay attention to it, you check it, you, see, you want to know how it's doing. That's the way the Lord is with us, and I like that. Then another thing that's a comforting thought, um, look at the end of verse 11. It says, He shall gently lead those that are with young. In that condition, the ewes could easily... You could lose the you could lose the lamb and the, the you themselves. You could you could lose them in that situation if they are overdriven. If there's more than just if there's more than just a uh, uh, if they're pushed beyond their limit as they go along, lo and behold, what can end up happening is that sheep and that that uh, that you there that female sheep and then and then the the lamb or lambs or whatever uh, she has will it can be lost. They cannot be driven past their capacity. I wrote down the statement about that in verse eleven. Uh, the Lord's leadership does not destroy. I love that. His leadership does not destroy. God doesn't look at us as an expendable commodity. He doesn't use us and use us up. He uses us and, by the way, allows us to be built by Him as we're being used. In fact, one of the reasons for taking Christ's yoke upon us and learning of Him is so that we can be built in the faith and we get built as we are Ministering as we are doing what God wants us to do. And so these comforting thoughts, strength protects the weak. He's near to his heart. His leadership does not destroy. Those are all things in verse 11. But tonight I want to draw especially your attention. Look there at the the beginning of the verse. And here is the main thing that caught my attention for you tonight. Verse 11, it says, He shall feed his flock like a what? Interesting thing. Interesting thing with that. And a lot of the instruction on how a shepherd feeds his flock, I took from Psalm 23. And, uh, the, uh, but but on, the, on this thing, I want you to understand this, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Um, I, I fed a lot of cattle in my life. 
I've fed hogs too. Uh, I've worked on a hog farm, I've worked on a dairy farm. And uh, how the shepherds are described as feeding their flock is different than the livestock and the way that we did those things. Uh, of course, we had pasture land for the cattle, and you, you had to know what time of year to put them out in certain ones because there were certain noxious weeds and stuff that would come up in certain of the, certain of the uh, fields, at least what we dealt with on the dairy farm. But um, you say, what about hogs? It doesn't matter with hogs. It just doesn't matter with hogs, okay? But um, <laughs> just don't fall down while they're eating is my only advice to you, um, literally. But mainly for with dairy cattle, mainly the, uh, you're feeding them in a, a trough-type situation, you throw down, uh, you throw down hay for them. Not during the summer so much. You'd supplement sometimes according to how the grass was holding up. But you'd put it down there. But there were grains and there were some other things we put out to feed them. They would come to a place and and they feed them. And then when you went to milk them, you there's a thing they'd go in called stanchion. They they go in and and uh, you'd put the, a little scoop of grain there and they'd come in for that. And then you lock their heads so they don't back out on you while you're milking them and all that stuff that goes with it. And I'm sure you're you're just incredibly interested in the operations of dairy. But my point of this is, God feeds us like a shepherd feeds the flock. Now. Why is this real important? I want you to take this and think through this, all right? Anybody up to adult age, and probably starting a little earlier than adult age, in this, in this congregation tonight, whether you're aware of it or not, you have somebody or some bodies you're feeding. Stay with me on this, all right? I'll tell you when you can leave me, but stay with me now. You can, you are feeding people. You say, oh no, preacher, I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not up in front of people. You would really have way too narrow of a, a focus and thought pattern if you thought that's the only way in which you teach. We teach by our attitude. We teach by our uh, integrity or lack thereof. And we feed with that. You ever seen somebody start getting in trouble and you said, who's been feeding you up? You ever talk along that way? You go along and you see somebody falling for something which, you know, for whatever reason they got into and they can't see the folly of it, but it's apparent for everybody else who's on the outside looking, you know. And you say, who's been feeding you a line? You ever hear that kind of stuff? You know? That's very accurate terminology. Because we feed. Even you young folks, you have influence you don't know you have. See, I know this isn't true at all, okay? So I understand I'm speaking completely, completely theoretical, but to some of our young people, the preachers are starting to seem old. Now, I know how messed up they are to think that way, right? Exactly. And, <laughs> by the way, uh, uh, next week, uh, the, the age for old goes past 56. Okay, I'm just saying it bumps up a year and not 47. <laughs> just so you know. So, here's what happens. Now, now follow me a second. I mean, so turn, turn, your, turn your brain on there for a second. Just say, you got somebody in here, maybe they don't get to spend as much time. We don't know each other quite as well as I'd probably like to know them. And that's the preacher up there. He's up leaving the church. He's speaking. His office is busy. He's, he's up there. You know, he's a 55-year-old man. 
and they, they, they don't make that connection. They think I'm in a different world. I get up here and talk about having to have God's presence day by day and being confused by things sometimes, even being fearful at times, and, and having to get my focus back on the faith in the Lord. And to them, it's just, oh, well, that's a good preacher talk, but no, he doesn't ever do that. He's always, yeah. And, and so there's too much of a gap between that. Sometimes I'd have to go to real young ones for that. But you know what they may be doing? They may be looking at you that's near the same age or a couple years ahead of time. Now, I'm not saying that there's a great deal of wisdom in them doing that, but I'm not dealing with wisdom now. I'm dealing with what people do. So wouldn't it be an awesome thing, since you don't know when that's going on, wouldn't it be a great thing if you were feeding them by what you choose as your words, by what you choose as your actions, by what you choose as your, your involvement, if you were feeding them something wholesome? Sure See, the great thing about serving God Especially the young folks in here, listen, you could start at any age. And I've never, ever, I've been at this a long time. I have never, ever met somebody in my over 39 and a half years of preaching the gospel. I've never had anybody come up to me and say, gee, I wish I would have waited later to start serving the Lord. But boy, I've seen tears of regret for years wasted. And you've got great opportunity. See, there's a lot of things that, oh, if you make a little tangle, you can get them straightened out again. But what you can never regain is time. See, you can never start as a young man or young lady for God at a very young age again. You have to do it the first time through. And it is awesome if you do it. And so what happens, the shepherd is feeding. And the shepherd feeds us. And I got to think about that and I thought, well, we're supposed to be like the Lord and we're supposed to act as He would act. So how does He feed His flock? Look what the verse says. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. Context of it's dealing with God and His people as we read earlier. How does He do that? If I go over to Psalm 23, I find some things that are interesting. Don't lose your place in Isaiah, but look back at Psalm 23 and I, I know that's a familiar psalm for many in the room. But look at it for a moment. Let me put this in the way so I don't lose where I am. Psalm 23. Maybe you could quote this. But look at it if you would. The Lord is my shepherd. What a great declaration that He, he is mine and I am His. And thank God for that. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. In other words, there's nothing lacking in what He gives. He maketh me to lie down where? In green pastures. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. Do you understand that? And we found out in Isaiah that He leads us in a way that does not destroy us. Thank God for it. I had someone chomping at the bid in their youthful exuberance in Christ. And they wouldn't know this. They wouldn't know this. They wouldn't know this. And I said, slow down and get what you're getting. Learn to operate where you are because you're jumping so far ahead of yourself. You ain't got a spiritual tooth in your head yet and you're trying to eat steak. What do you mean, preacher? I mean that we are supposed to exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. We're supposed to learn to obey the Lord in what we know and allow God to reveal to us what we need as we need it. I have actually known people to get upset at God because they could not understand certain portions of the Scripture. 
or they start messing with the scripture trying to change around what it says, or they go diving over to get somebody to explain it to them instead of just waiting on the Holy Spirit of God and realizing that there's meat and milk in that book and it's not all for you at one place setting. July marked 40 years that I've known the Lord as my Savior. And 39 and a half of those as a preacher of the gospel, 28 of them as a pastor, I'm going to tell you something. There are passages I come to and I do not know what it is. I understand what the words mean. I can look that up. But I don't understand how it fits in that great, that, that great pattern of God's Word and God's truth. Or I don't know the practical application what I'm supposed to do with it. Or if it's just where I'm supposed to understand the majesty and the grandeur of God. And when I don't know, church... The answer is, I don't know. Learn to be satisfied, not in the sense that you give up trying to learn, but learn to be satisfied with being fed where the shepherd has you. He knows what you need. He knows what strengths you need. He knows what you need at any given point in your life. What a great shepherd we have. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He doesn't have his flock in a burn up, overgrazed uh, pasture. There's a uh, farm just north of our house a little ways. And I often look at it and it bothers me when I see they overgraze there. You know, maybe it's my background and things that notice it. And they have beef cattle and dairy cattle, but still, and beef cattle are a lot more hardy. They can survive on, on things easier. Anything that's a dairy animal is, is, is picky. They're, they're, they're high-tech equipment. They break easy. Uh, but they, they, they have uh, beef cattle, but what they do is they put them on too small of an area. And with just a little bit of rain, they get trampling in there so much it just becomes a quagmire. Well, hoof rot... There's all kinds of problems happen when you do that. But I look at that and that bothers me because there's enough land attached to that farm that they can move them around to different places. But they consistently, I watch year after year, they'll do this and then they're in there with it. A couple years, they, they moved a couple of their horses into it with it there. That's very unhealthy for the animals. And looking at it, I'm going, man, that's just, that's rough on the land. It causes erosion, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. And I mean, it's theirs to do with, but but just, it's not a, it's not a good job of, Utilizing. Can I tell you something? God never puts us in that kind of pasture. So I've been in those situations. Yeah. Like I said, God never put you there. People get into all kinds of stuff. But that doesn't mean it was all what God was doing. You know, He did give you capacity to think. Make decisions. You can't even obey the greatest commandment without the capacity to decide. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy mind, and all thy soul, and all thy strength. You can't do that unless you have capacity to, describe, to decide because love has to be given. And so our great God has built things this way. And so what happens is that this, the, the, he makes us lie down in green pasture. And then it says, uh, He leadeth me beside still waters. What happens? How does the shepherd feed us? I'll give you a couple of thoughts on this. How does he feed us? And by the way, think with me a minute, all right? As I'm talking to you about how the shepherd leads us, let's take instruction, or how he feeds us, let's take instruction on how to feed others. If you have a direct feeding thing where you're teaching, you're preaching in some capacity, you're, you're ministering to people in one way or another like that, think about this with it. Within your home, 
within your influence, wherever it may be. But here's the things with it. First of all, um, <laughs> the shepherd, talking about his comfort, the comfort in the care of the shepherd, he knows where the best pasture is. If we're going to feed like our Lord does, we need to find out where the best pasture is. Hey, best pasture is that old King James Bible right there. Best pasture is psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The best pasture is a clean and a godly life surrendered to the Lord. The best pasture is to walk in love. The best pasture is a life of servanthood. See, these are places of good pasture. And so he knows where the pasture is, the best pasture. I put this down, and this was interesting to me. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Do you know in some places, of course, changes in different parts of the world, but it's not an uncommon thing for there to be upper pasture and lower pasture. A winter pasture, winter will be down here, and a summer pasture. Why? Because the pastures are at their richest at different times of the year. That, brother, keep this thing exciting me. I looked at that and I said, oh my goodness. Part of the shepherd feeding us is he knows where we need to be at what particular time. Now, I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but he knows where we need to be at what particular time. Do you know uh, when, when, when Luke and Logan were four years old and, and, and just uh, less than a year old, I needed something different as a daddy for them than I do now that they're 24 and 28 years old? They, Logan called me about something with his business and something I'm excited for him doing and, and, and he's, he's excited and you know, some financial stuff. He said, Dad, I want to talk to you about this. What about this about this? What about this? And have you checked this? And unfortunately, I know the system he's looking at and everything and, and we're talking about this. And I said, remember this as you go into it and put this into play and all that sort of thing. I need to feed him differently than I did when he was younger. You know, when, when they were younger, of course, they always need fed with love. They need dad, not dad with a glowing face. You're not Moses. <laughs> so your face shouldn't be glowing every time your kid looks at him. Which way are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. 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 See, your kid's going to learn about Moses coming down the mountain with a glowing face. He's going to think you're Moses because you're thinking face glows all the time. Get that out of your phone. Look your youngins in the eyes and realize there's a precious life committed to you by, from God and love them. And do yourself a favor. Quit trying to be a good parent and just love the youngins. Follow your God and love the youngins. Learn how to sit down with toys if, if they're little and, and play with cars. Get over yourself. Thank you. Lots of practice. <laughs> I do do that. Uh, you are here with a motorcycle. That's why you go. Uh, but... But look, they, they need something different at different times. Sometimes they need this. Sometimes they need, you can, you can make it now. You need to, you need to buck up here a little, just get done. And God's going to have to give you individual wisdom to know what to do with it. See, God's so designed this thing that we can't just go on autopilot with our Christian life and everything's taken care of. He is so designed to say that we have a daily, hourly dependence on Him if we're going to do this right. And that's what He's wanting. He's wanting fellowship. He's wanting us to depend on Him in our step-by-step -step life. 
And I, I saw this thing about the shepherd in the different time, feeding like a shepherd. And, and, and what is this? Knowing the right timing and realizing something. Uh, you're, you're not right. Hey, 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 look, look at me and say, God, these young fellows in here and they're young ladies too, but let me say something about these young fellows in here. Uh, parents, you're not raising them to be boys. I'm not talking about this Western macho mindset. I'm talking about real Christian manhood, which involves love, service, dependability, integrity, these, these things. But you're not raising them to be boys. Well, I just always want, hey, hey, look at, if dads can do this too, I just know the percentages of Anthus, mama, they're not supposed to be dependent on you the same way at 18, 17, 18 years old that they were. Five, six, and seven. And they should love you. Um, you know, and obviously ours, our family has all its flaws and all the things and everything that goes with living. But I tell you what warms my heart every time I see it. My boys don't leave the room without hugging mama. They don't leave without hugging daddy either, but they hug mama. It's kind of funny. She kind of disappears. Sometimes Logan and Luke would grab her at the same time. And it's like, where'd my wife go? Um, Why? Well, we want them to do that. But, but listen. Husband, a couple little times. My wife wasn't trying to be too tight on about I'll tell you something. He said, Wait, did you say this? She's here. Don't listen to the podcast. I'll get away with nothing. Um, but they're not said, Mom, or young man now. Well, they're going to mess up. Yeah, they are. And they need to. Because most guys have a real strong learning mechanism. It's called, Oh, that's what that was about. You know, this is the way we are. Hey, ladies, we were made out of dirt. What do you expect? Okay? Get real. You are a little more refined than we are. But here's, here's the thing about it. The responsibility. Realizing they're changing. I remember a couple of heart-to-heart talks when I, when I said, look, I'm learning how to be a dad of, of, of a young man coming into adulthood. There's a way I've done this ever since you've been born, so ease up if I'm a little... Learning the transition here, right? That's a reality. Now, my mom used to play, we play, until she started getting the old stuff, I'd sit on her lap every now and then. She's like, get off of me, horse. And we obviously we had a close relationship, and, and, and mom, she would go, she'd come out and she'd pet me, you're my baby, you know, it's kind of funny. I'd pet here, come here, you're my baby. And I'm not that tall, but mom was quite a bit shorter than me, and she'd, she'd uh, just, you know, it was funny that she'd do that. But one thing I appreciated was she would play that way, but what she had actually done in life was she let me grow. Wouldn't that be good with everybody that we're feeding? May God give us wisdom. We're going to have to have it. Because it's never over. Because some of you who are a little older, like past 56, you, and some of you, some of you have, have children up uh, older than my adult children are. And, and, and as you know, there's never a time when you don't want, there's never a time when you do not want to be able to exert an influence for good in their life. But more and more, as they grow, they have to allow that. Think on that. Then this other thing I saw with this, this was absolutely amazing. The shepherd, and I, and I love this, the shepherd, it isn't just food in a trough. When you read in Psalm 23, he 
he brings them to good pastures. You're not scooping. I've scooped a lot of feed in your life. You're not scooping feed and putting it in. You are leading them to the place where they can feed themselves. And I got so much instruction on this, it was unreal. And I started going down to the verses. Because God was confirming to me as a pastor, I'm to lead you to the right place for you to feed yourselves. Then I am to instruct and say, okay, here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. I'm supposed to do that. That's the bishopric of the thing. But as far as feeding you, it says that we are to feed the flock of God, those of us who lead the church, to feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. We're not to do it as the Lord over God's heritage. But we're doing it in a loving way, recognizing that you belong to Christ. He paid himself for you. And that Christ wants you treated a certain way. Well, part of that is for you to be led to a place where the grazing's good. But you ready for this? You got to eat. I've heard people say, and I understand the context of it, sometimes they're just being thankful for the fact that church kind of gives them a, a, like in the middle of the week, it, it strengthens them and you get all the stuff of the world and you know different things happening, it kind of lifts you back up again. I get that, so I'm not against that. But I've heard people say, well, I'll tell you what, I just have to make it to church again so I can get propped back up. Ah. Okay. If that's where you are, we'll start with there. But God has something a lot better for you. And it's called you walking with him. Yeah. Sure. I met with God in the morning when the day was at its best. What a great and opening line. Why? Because God, God wants you to have the right pasture so that you can be fed. See, if you indeed are one of his sheep and you're not a goat, because I'm speaking, you know, a decent-sized midweek crowd, then the Lord's one who knows all our hearts. So I could be speaking to lost people. You could have been a member of this church for a long time and yet not have Christ. I don't know for sure. But I do know this. God does know who belongs to Him. And those who belong to the Lord will be fed and will be helped and strengthened by the pasture that the Lord takes them to in His Word. And so I looked at this thing and a shepherd, what does he do? He... he Leads them to a place of pasture. Well, do you know that's a great thing if you can lead someone to the place where they're feeding themselves. You feed them by leading them to a place to feed themselves. You lead them to a place to feed them. Why? So they can keep feeding themselves, so that they can then be healthy and strong. I'll let you make applications on that. And then let me just say this other to you: the shepherd keeps his flock from places of danger when he's feeding them. He knows where the cliffs are. He knows where the noxious weeds are. I mentioned there are certain weeds in, and I'm thinking one particular field we had where we could not let the cattle in at a certain time of the year because of it. Um, and, and those particular weeds were not a danger to the health of the cattle that they would bring the milk. Um, <clears throat> but he knows where that is. And there's some real noxious weeds out there. And in our day of people being connected and internet and I mean, it takes no effort to put something out there. And you get all these, what I call Google experts. They've studied something for 30 seconds on Google, so they really know what it is. And a lot of people do that in the realm of the Bible and what they think they know about the Lord, too. 
They got them an online seminary degree and Googled what they saw and think that makes the place of walking with God, serving God, being a servant to God's people, and actually being in the Word. I'm not interested in the knowledge of God that's a mile wide and an inch deep. So that's some depth to it. And so there's a lot out there. So there's some real noxious weeds out there. Some of them are very well packaged. Some of them are multi-million dollar deals and some of them are homespun deals. But they're, they're out there. But the shepherd knows where those are. The shepherd knows where the wolf lurks. He knows where he can come out of that hidden place and hit you all at once. See, the shepherd knows all that. And the comfort of the care of the shepherd is that he brings us to a place of feeding that's safety. I thank God for it. I tell you over and over again, I'm always reading more than one book and I, I like to read things. I like to read a wide variety of things. But everything I read, it runs through a filter and I check it if it's historical. I think of the other things I've studied on that subject. I look at it. I try to analyze as I go. There's one book that I possess. That's the book of God. And I don't go through that stuff. I can just relax and say, the word of the Lord is pure. Amen. And it's I, this book reads me while I read it. I don't come and sit in judgment of this book. This book, this book comes and, and, and shows me what I need. It's, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's the one place. It's the one place. I just read it. In other words, I really am. I'm constantly, okay, comparing. Nah. I think I'm comparing with this is comparing Scripture with Scripture. Make sure I'm getting it. Okay. And learning. You know that song, God said it. I believe it. That settles it for me. Eh, eh, I'm going to pick on the song too much, but I tell you what, if it's settled about the time God said it, whether you ever got on board or not, did not change it. Amen. Not everything in life is an absolute. But I'll give you some uh, information our generation needs. There are absolutes. Yes. And uh, thank God that God's Word is one of them. I love it. I love it. You know what he does? Comfort you, my people. Well, how does he comfort us? He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. There's this, there he has taken us. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. There's strength perfecting weakness. Carry them in his bosom. There's the heart that keeps us near. And shall gently lead those that are with young. His leadership doesn't destroy us. Thank God. We have a Savior that loves us on a day-by-day basis. What a great heritage we have. Let's pray together, people. Father, thank You for Your people. Their good attentiveness. I know many, they've worked today, they've been in school, they've been very busy, and yet they chose to be in the house of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that we will love You and seek You and never take for granted Your presence. Lord, have I spoken to a heart that doesn't know You? As You know us all in this room, do we all belong to you? Father, if someone does not, will you show that to them? It was a good day back in 1980 when you showed me my sin, when you brought Holy Ghost conviction on me. God, I pray you would do that internal work and that eternal work that I can't do through words. God, I pray you'll bless your people. May someone get enough courage from these truths to start more fully relying on you day by day. Just in their inner spirit, be able to rest in you. Bless please this invitation for your own mercy and honor. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. You can come join one who's already come. Something you can bring before the Lord tonight. Remember, uh, invitation is not attack on here. It's an opportunity for you to respond to truth.
Why don't you come as we have song invitation tonight?